Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. All right, turn with me to Psalms chapter 139, verse 14 through 17. Psalms chapter 139, verse 14 through 17. And this is what it reads. It says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. Turn to your neighbor and say the title for tonight's message, Identifying Our Identity identifying our identity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. Father, we thank you for bringing us in this place, uh, for this, that we have ready hearts and open spirits, God, to your word, God, that we're just ready for your spirit to move. Uh, just communicate through me, Father, what you want to communicate, and may this message fall on open hearts, God, and uh, let us, God, get through this fast, and I'm looking forward to Chick-fil-A in a few weeks, Father. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. So, about three years ago, uh, I used to be a lifeguard at a, uh, a camp, a country camp. So I was a lifeguard, and uh, there, was, we, there was other lifeguards, and one of our jobs was we would go up to these water slides. There was, there was pools, there was water slides, there's all these different things, and so one of our jobs is go at the bottom of the water slides and to help uh, these kids get out of the water. And so we were doing this for months, and so it would get boring, and, you know, it got, you know, repetitive after a while. And so I had a, I had a buddy with me, and a lot of times we would crack jokes the whole time, just trying to keep our intention span, like, not try to, like, because when you're a lifeguard, you're supposed to, like, watch the kids, right? That's your one job. And so we're trying to do our job, and, uh, and so to make it fun, um, me and my buddy, we just started to uh, talk in different accents, and uh, you just have fun. And we started doing an Australian accent. And, you know, first of all, God bless Australia, protect them with the fires and all that. That's, you know, before I get started on Australian accents, I want to just say that, God. Help them with those fires and may God protect them. Um, amen. Uh, but so we started talking Australian accent. So we're just messing around. And we're like, we're like, hey, come here, sweetie. You know, we're doing like terrible accents, right? These are terrible accents. And, and so, uh, and then. This little girl, you know, as we were helping her out of the pool, she was, you know, we were, like, talking to her in this Australian accent. You know, she looked at us, and she was like, are y'all from Australia? And, you know, I, I look at my buddy, and we look at each other, and, you know, we both had, like, you know, look at, matter of fact, sweetie, we all, you know, we're, we're brothers from Brisbane. And, you know, we started, like, saying I, all this backstory, and, and we started made up this story like we were foreign exchange students on a, uh, uh, some kind of, like, Somehow we got to Texas Bible Institute somehow. I don't know. We just made up some story, and uh, we got all these campers to believe us. And so for that day, you know, it was fun. Like, these, uh, all these campers come up to us, like, oh, like, talk to us in Australia. And like, oh, like, tell us a story. Like, okay, well, one day we were in the desert. You know, we're, like, talking, like, all this, like, this makeup stuff. We're having fun. And, uh, and that first day of us doing that, you know, the camps take about a week-long camps. And so... That was the first day, and so we had fun, and even, like, a couple of these girls came up to us, like, hey, can we take a picture? Like, come on, sweetie, it's all right, you know, like, 
You're like, we want to say we met Australians while we're at camp. Like, yeah. So we're like, you know, we're just having fun with it. And then the second day came, and it was still kind of fun talking in that accent all day because, you know, we had to keep up our persona. And, uh, but it was kind of getting old. And then by the third day, like, I was done with it. Like, I was done. Like, it wasn't fun anymore. And, like, these campers would come up to me and be like, like, talking Australian, tell us a story. And, like, I was this. And it, it was fun. Like, eventually, by midday, the third day, this little girl came up to me, and she's, like, you know, been there the whole camp. She's like, hey, talking Australian again or, like, do something. I was like, I was like, hey, sweetie, I made it all up. Like, we're not from Australia. I'm from Texas. Enjoy the ride. You know, I was just like, I was done with it. And because um, it just got exhausting. And what I realized is that it's exhausting trying to be somebody that you're not. That it's exhausting trying to maintain something that you were never meant to maintain, right? But it seems as though that we have billions of people, right, on earth, like in church and out of church, doing the same exact thing. Right, trying to live the way their friends tell them to live and trying to live the way their, their families tell them to do and trying to meet all these different expectations. And they're, they're trying to meet the expectation of their friends and the world and society. And they're trying to do all these different things all at once. And, and then when we fail to meet those expectations, we think ourselves as a failure, right? Because we're not meeting something that we're never meant to meet. And we're trying to walk in something that we're never meant to walk in. But Here's the thing, only, only the one who has created us, only our creator deserves the, the opportunity to identify ourselves. Only, only the one who has created us. Because if you, only our creator can identify us because he's the one who knows why we're created for, right? Does that kind of make sense? Like, like society can't say that because they, they didn't create us. They weren't there in the beginning, right? Your friends, your family, only your creator can identify you correctly, right? And he does that through his word. See, like what the Word of God, the Word of God is not just a memoir, right? It's, the Word of God is really a mirror reflecting who you are, right? When you read the Word of God and, and you're supposed to read it and say, hey, that grace is for me, right? Amen. That, that mercy is for me. The Word of God is not a memoir. It's supposed to be a mirror reflecting what your identity is. You see, as we enter 2020, I want us to start a new, we see the new trends, right? Every new year, right, 2020, we're just starting it. What do you see everywhere, right? You see new year, new me, right? You see it everywhere, right? New year, new me. And we try new habits. We try new routines. We try new diets. We try new lifestyles, new mindsets. All the while, not trying, we're trying to be something new, and we're missing what's really true, right? We're, we're trying to be the new us, but, but God is trying to bring us to be the true us, our true identity, you see, when you start to get, when you figure out who you are, the enemy can no longer convince you of who you aren't, right? When you start to get your identity, I'm talking about the importance of where I identify our identity. When you find out who you are, the enemy can no longer convince you of who you aren't. When you find out what is truth, the enemy can no longer convince you of what is a lie. You see, that's why it's so important for us to find our identity, because once we find our identity in the word, we can no longer be, uh, accept the lie or accept different things that the enemy puts on us because we know what the truth is. And so tonight, what we're, what we're going to look at, we're going to look at different I am's, different I am's tonight. Because, and we're going to go and we're going to look at different I am's that is, that is in the word, that is in scripture, and it's going to lead us tonight. Okay, are y'all ready? All right. The first one is Romans 8, 1 through 2, and it says this. So now there is no condemnation 
for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So everybody say, I am free. That's the first I am. I am free. See, before Jesus, right, we were, before salvation, right, we were, we were slaves to sin, but because of salvation, we are free. Jesus has made us free. Before Jesus, we were, we were destined for death, but after Jesus, now we have a place in heaven. Amen. We are now free in Christ. You see, but not only did Jesus free us from, from sin, right, he freed us from addiction. He freed us from uh, depression, anxiety, doubt. When Jesus freed us from sin, he, he freed us from all those other things. And when the enemy tries to convince us to be a slave again, we can respond, right, with I am free. Because because of salvation, we are no longer a slave, but now we are free. In Galatians 5, 1, it reads this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, when you are free, it doesn't mean that your captors are gone, but it means that your captors no longer have control. And that's what people got to realize. When you are free, it doesn't mean that those things are gone, but now they don't have, no, they don't have power on you no longer. But what Galatians 5.1 is talking about, about staying, standing firm in identity and don't let the yoke of, of slavery come back on you, is that if, you, if we know what a yoke is, back in the day, a yoke was what they put on cattle, right, to keep them, to head down and keep control of them. That was the yoke. They would put it over cattle and they use it for farming and things like that. But what that verse is saying is that if you stand firm in your identity, right, if you, if you stand up straight and you're not putting your head down, you won't allow that old yoke of slavery back on you. That's why it's important with the identity because if you know who you are and you stand firm, right, that old yoke, right, that we used to be slaves to will no longer have control. We are called, right, I am free. See, when the enemy tries to convince us of different things, because if there's one thing I, I know is that when we are freed from something, the enemy always, always tells us that, right, it's right behind us, right, it's chasing after us. And it seems like that we're on a run from things that we've been set free from. And we're running from something that God has already cured. We're, we're running from something that has no power over us, right, but, right, when the enemy tries to convince us that we're going back, we can respond, right, with the I am, the first identity, I am free. That's the first I am. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it reads this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. The old has gone and a new is here. Everybody say, I am a new creation. A new creation. See, when we accept Jesus in our hearts, the old man dies and a new man comes alive. That's what he means. The old man dies and a new man comes alive. See, the blood of Jesus washes away everything. Not just some things. He washes away everything and makes it clean. And we become a new creation. Meaning that when you're a new creation, you no longer have a past, you only have a future. And you no longer have a past, you only have a future. Meaning that when the enemy tries to remind you of what you've done, you remind him that it doesn't exist anymore. 
right? When the enemy tries to remind you, hey, you've done too many things wrong to deserve so many promises in your life, you remind them, hey, I'm a new creation in Christ. The blood washes away all my sins, not this some of them, not this the little ones. He washes away all my sins. And you remind the enemy, hey, I'm a new creation, and you can't convince me that my past is too big for God, right? God's grace is sufficient. See, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us for what we've done. He sees us for who we are. And that's what's awesome about God because when we look at people, we always, when we look at people, normally we look at people and we look at what they're doing or what they've done or what they have done. We look at what they've done wrong. But when God looks at us and he sees that we have been covered by the blood of Jesus, all he sees is his son. And when he sees his son, right, that means he sees flawless, right, blameless. He doesn't see what you've done, what you've had done, or what you think you've done. And so that's what's so awesome about having the identity of that I am a new creation is that when the enemy tries to throw stuff at us, like he always tries, right, anytime we try to, try to take a step forward, it seems like the enemy's trying to convince us that, hey, you're going to mess up like you've done or you're too messed up to continue on. Anytime he does that, we can remind him, hey, I'm a new creation, it's written in the word of God, I'm a new creation, meaning that although I've done wrong in my past, once the blood of Jesus has covered me, that past is gone forever, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter how many times or what I've done wrong, that past is gone, amen? Amen? I am a new creation. In John 15, 13, as we go on to the third I am through 14, it reads this, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Everybody say, I am a friend of Jesus. Did you know that Jesus is the greatest friend you could ever have? Is the greatest friend you could ever have. In Hebrew, the word friend comes from the word shavir, which means protector. So like, it means protector. And so when Jesus said, I am your friend, he's saying, I am here, I'm your protector. That's what it means to say, I'm a friend of God, or I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm saying that God is my protector. He is loyal. He is faithful. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And so when we say that Jesus is our friend, what we're saying is that we have somebody very strong and powerful who has our back. And when you have, you know when you have a good friend, it gives you the confidence to do things in your life, to take that risk. You know, when you have that reliable friend, you know, when you have that reliable friend that it feels like even if you, if you take that risk and you fail, that friend will still be there, right? Jesus is that reliable friend knowing that it doesn't matter if I fail or if I do good, he's still going to love me, right? It doesn't matter if I try my best and I come up short, right? God's love is still going to be the same for me. That's what it means when it says that Jesus is our friend. What he's saying is, I'm always going to be with you. I'm your protector, right? I'm, I'm, I'm loyal. I'm faithful. And how did Jesus prove the most other, other point of faithfulness? He put his life down for us, right? He put his life down for us. He said that's the greatest deed a friend can do is putting down his life for a friend. That is the greatest deed. And we are a friend of Jesus. So, Anytime the enemy tries to tell you, right, you, you're not capable or tries to tell you that, that you're not strong enough, you got to remind them who you're friends with. you got to remind them who you're connected with. And see, this is when we get the I am's. When the, when, the, when the enemy tries to convince you that you're too weak, say, no, I'm a friend of Jesus. 
meaning that I have Jesus on my side, that I am paired up with my creator, and it doesn't matter what's in front of me, it doesn't matter what stands against me, as long as God is on my side, right, who can stand against us? I am a friend of Jesus. And when, when we say I'm a friend of God, what we're saying is that we have somebody on our side that the enemy cannot defeat. We have somebody on our side that the enemy cannot come against. We have somebody on our side that no man, right, no power of, of this earth can come against. When you're friends with Jesus, let me tell you, you have a friend, right, you, have, you, have, you intimidate all the devils in the area. I intimidate everything because you have a friend who's much more stronger, who's much more greater than we could ever be. But when we pair up ourselves with Jesus, telling nothing, nothing can stand against us. So whenever the enemy tries to convince us that we're too weak or that we, we're not capable, we're going to say, hey, that might be true, but I'm paired up with somebody who can meet me where I'm, where I'm weak. Amen? I am a friend of Jesus. In John chapter 1, 12 through 13, he reads this. He says, but to all who believed him and accepted them, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Everybody say, I am a child of God. A child of God. You see, we were born into sin. And although we were God's creation, we weren't God's children yet. When we were born, we were born into sin. But once we accepted Jesus into our, our heart, what happened is that we became adopted into a new family, and we became a child of God. And when you become a child of God, what you're doing, you're aligning yourself up with something that now you have inheritance. Now you have something that, that gives you life. And when you become a child of God, what you're saying is that, is that God sent his son, right, to die on the cross for us so that we could have the opportunity to be sons and daughters of God, and now we belong to him, right? When you're family, you, you belong, right? You belong to him. And so we were born here, all right, when we were born, we were, bo we were born here, but we don't belong here, amen? But when we accepted Jesus in our heart, now we weren't destined for hell, right? Now we're destined for heaven. We don't, when we were born, when we were born, reborn in Christ, all of a sudden, now we don't belong here anymore. Now we're just ambassadors for him. Amen? We were, we were born here, but we don't belong here. And when we, were, when we were reborn in Christ, we are adopted into the kingdom of God. From that point on, we're no longer citizens of earth, but now we are citizens of heaven. Amen. I am a child of God. And there's so much power in that because what we are saying is I, I don't belong to the enemy no longer. You see, if we didn't know this, when we were born on this earth, right when we were born, we, we belonged to the enemy. Right? We, sin was already in the way. Right when we took our, our first breath, that gap of sin was there. But right when we accepted Jesus in our heart, right, his blood washed away that sin and the gap was closed. And all of a sudden, now we inherited right, all these things and now we are a child of God. Meaning that no longer, we no longer belong to the enemy, but now we belong to God. Amen. And that's the powerful knowing that we are a child of God. And so whenever the enemy tries to mess with us, all we have to do is remind him who he's messing with. Right? Because now when you mess with me, you're not just playing with me. Now you're messing with God. 
what Jesus said, what you do to my people, you're doing unto me. What he's saying is that when the enemy tries to mess with you, you're not by yourself anymore. Right? When the enemy tries to push against you with doubt or depression, you don't have to combat that by yourself anymore. Now, you're, now you have somebody who you belong to. Right? It's kind of like if, when you're a parent and somebody messes with your child, that person isn't just messing with their, with their child. Right? They're messing with you. Right? That's what happens when we're a child of God. When the enemy messes with us, right, it's no longer, he's no longer, he, now he's messing with God. And you got to remind him that when he combat against me, you're not just messing with me. Now you're messing with, the, with, with my father in heaven. And you got to tell yourself, right, how great is it to be connected with, with the family, with the father who knows all, right, who's going to be there for us. And that's what's powerful is that when we are a child of God, now we're connected with something that we don't have to understand. We just have to obey. And being a child of God, and being a child of God is something we don't have to understand what's going on. We just have to obey his instructions. Well, what's, the, what's the, you know, I'm not a parent yet, but what's the most common phrase when, a, when you tell your child something? And, well, this happens to me because I ask my parents all the time, and they say, why do I have to do that? Because I said so, right? That's the most common, like, like they don't have to give a reason. But that's what it's all, when you're connected with God and God tells you to do something, what's awesome is that you don't have to know what's going on. And what I've learned is that obedience is way better than knowledge. Because when you're obedient to something, you're trusting somebody. When you're trying to act out of knowledge, you're trusting yourself. And when you're connected with a father who is in heaven, who sits in heavenly places, who knows what's going on, and all you have to do is just be obedient to his calling, now you can leave behind all that misunderstanding. Amen? Right? Obedience is way better than knowledge. It's so good to be a child of God. Are y'all getting me tonight? I know it's a little quick. But the, the I am's, what we're talking about identifying our identity is that if we don't, if we're not intentional about our identity and who we are, the world is going to classify us, right? If we don't find our identity in the word, guess what? We're going to find our identity in the world. If we're not intentional with who we are, guess what? Somebody's going to put a title on us that doesn't belong to us. Somebody's going to say, hey, you know what? You did something wrong. You, you cheated on your husband. You're a cheater now. Or you did this. You did it. You're that now. Or you're not a good father. Or you're not a good mother. And they're trying to put titles on you, right? They're trying to put stuff on you. They're trying to put an identity on you without you even realizing it. And without you even realizing it, you're, you're lining yourself up with a lie. Ever notice that when you, when you call something, when you profess something, when you put a title on something, you, you are speaking of a future on something, right, on somebody. And so when you call them, that's why it, power and death relies in the tongue. Because when you call somebody a name, you got to be careful because you're professing their future on them. That's why you got to be careful about calling somebody, you know, uh, dumb or this or that. Because you're, you're speaking on their future. And you got to be careful because if you don't find your future in the word, you're going to find your future in the world, and it's going to be from people putting titles on you who never have any right to put their title on you. Only God has that right. And when I, when I, talk, when I talk that only, only your creator can decide your identity because by, I, by creative rights, right, because he created everything, it's his right to identify you because he's the one who created you. See, if, if this person... If, if this person didn't create you, they don't have a right to identify you. 
Only your creator has the right to identify you. And how does he identify us, right, church? He identifies us with his word. And all these I am's that we have been talking about has come from the word of God. And so that's why when we read it, that's why I said this word, it isn't just a memoir. It's a mirror of who we are. We're supposed to look at this word and say, hey, I am a child of God. I am free. Right? I am a friend of Jesus. Right? I, I, I am right, called to be who he says who he calls me to be, right? I am is in the Bible. And so we're supposed to look at this and we're supposed to find our identity. What I'm trying to say tonight, church, is that I don't want to go in 2020 trying to be a, a new you, right? I want to go into 2020 trying to be the true you, trying to be somebody who lines up with the word of God. And as Haley comes up, as, as we're going to close, and I want to close with, with, with this statement in scripture, is that our identity is our inheritance. Our identity is our inheritance. In Colossians verse 1, 12 through 13, it reads this. Always thanking the Father, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. You see, when we accept Jesus in our heart, we don't have to work for our identity. When we accept Jesus in our heart, we don't have to work for our calling. When we accept Jesus in our heart, we don't have to work for our promises from God. It's something that we inherit. And what's powerful about that is that as soon as you say, as you accept Jesus in your heart and you are a child of God and, and sin is broken and the blood washes you clean, all of a sudden you inherit something that this world cannot give you. You inherit your true identity. See, your, your identity is your inheritance from him. When you become a child of God, he gives you your identity. And he says, here, right, you are my child. You are my friend, right? You belong with me. You are free, right? Addiction, depression no longer has any hold on you. And, and something that we don't have to work for our identity. You don't have to work like a job. You, what, what identity is, is an inheritance from him. It's not something that is given, or it's not something that's worked for. It's something that is given. And inheritance it's all about association, right? It's all about association. It's not about works. It's about associating yourself with a family member and you're inheriting from them. Will you all stand up with me tonight? What, what I want to press is this, is that our identity doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from your friends or your family members. Our identity only comes from God. And let me tell you something. It is your right. Your identity is your inherited right when you're a child of God. The enemy can't take it from you. Nobody can take it from you. When you accept Jesus into your heart, you inherit something. You inherit your identity. And what's powerful about your identity, when you start to understand the truth, right, since we're supposed to walk in truth, when you know the truth of who you are, the, the enemy can no longer convince you of the lies. When you know you're a child of God, right, the enemy can no longer convince you that you're a mistake, right? When you know you're a friend of Jesus, the enemy can no longer convince you that you're all alone in this world. When you know, right, that you are free, the enemy can no longer convince you that you're addicted to substance or to alcoholism. He can't do it. 
because you know who your identity is now. That's what's powerful about the identity is that the yoke right, of slavery, that yoke of addiction can no longer be on you because now you're standing firm. Galatians 5.1, now you're standing firm. You know who you are, right? You're intentional about it. So what I want us to do in 2020, I want us to be intentional about our identity. I don't want us to, to let people title us. I don't want to let the society title us or the world title us. The only person who has the right to give us an identity is our creator in heaven. And his name is Jesus. And let me tell you something. He loves you. He doesn't think you're a mistake. He thinks you're beautifully and wonderfully made. He doesn't think you're a failure, right? He thinks you're a success in him. Right? He doesn't think that, you, that you're bound by addiction, but he sets you free by his grace. Amen. So what I want us to do tonight, I just want us to sing a song together for a couple minutes. And I just want God to let him wrap our arms around us and to remind us of who we are. Because this message might be something that you already known, but it might be something that you need to be reminded of. Because a lot of times we can find out our identity, but we can let the enemy convince us of something that is not is something that's a lie. It's something that's contrary to who God says we are. And so if that's something new tonight, I always want us to worship for a couple minutes and let God remind us of who we are, that we are a conqueror, that we are a victor, not a victim, that we're somebody, right, who deserves grace, right? We're somebody who walks in mercy. So this for a couple minutes, let's sing together and we'll end in prayer. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.